Welcome to the next installment of the SUS News Podcast Series, where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I'm your host, Patrick Egan. Uh, today, we are going to talk about something relevant, which is um, the ever-evolving uh, drone security situation. Um, of course, I'm your host, and as always, we'd like to welcome our guest host, Mr. Gene Robinson. Gene. Good, you know, I mean, you cut it so close every every episode that you even come in, like, right on the wire, but you're always there. Yeah, yeah, come in hot and fast, you know, that's the way I do. <laughs> exactly, so, um, you know, I take it you're, you're busy, uh, I know you've been doing a lot of stuff down there in the uh, search and rescue and LE uh, thing with the, the, the drones. Any Anything exciting this week? Well, you know, we had another, uh, you remember back in 2015, we had the Memorial Day floods, and it was considered a biblical flood back then. And sure enough, here we go, you know, the, another 500-year flood just uh, up to the north and west of us. And unfortunately, we had some fatalities, and We've uh, dispatched drone crews out there, and uh, there are some that are still working. So, it, yeah, it's it's been pretty crazy around here. <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, what is that if uh, – I forget what the saying is and if the creek don't rise. But, uh, you know, good luck yeah. with all of that. The, the, yeah, the creek has risen. <laughs> <laughs> it has risen. Um, all right. Well, you know, let's uh, – let's, I'm, I'm kind of excited about today's subject because it's something that's kind of near and dear to – uh, what I think is a viable industry, which is uh, some, you know, uh, security issues, counter drone, things like that. Some people say, oh, you know, uh, how could you be a drone guy and be a counter UAS guy? You know, and I say, well, you know, we have to be adult. And we have to think that there are just uh, certain areas where drones shouldn't fly. Um, and, you know, it just, that's the way I think about it. And uh, so without further ado, let's bring on today's guest. We have from uh, RAS Security Group, Mr. Jeff Parisi. You out there, Jeff? Yeah, hi. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And uh, Mr. Ryan Schoenfeld. Are you out there, sir? Hello. Hey. And, uh, you know, I, I know you guys. I uh, I'm, Well, I know Jeff for longer than I care to... Uh, Admit it's been a while, right, Jeff? Yeah, it's been a long, long road. <laughs> it has been a long, yeah, hasn't long, it, Jeff? Dusty. Yeah, yeah. I, but, I remember you, know. you Jeff, from uh, the old RC Groups day. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, I remember that uh, vividly. Actually, it was um, that was really a, a time of um, of excitement and new opportunities and things on the horizon. Yes, Indeed it was. Uh, everybody had a sparkle in their eye and a spring in their step. <laughs> that's a that's a podcast for another time, Ryan. Um, you know, um, I, I met you at the um, at the last small unmanned systems business expo, and we got to chat. But uh, you know, maybe um, you guys first, and we'll start with Jeff. Could you could you? Possibly give people a little uh, bio of who you are and how you got involved with drones. Sure, um, I'd be glad to. Um, I come from a special effects background. I owned a uh, Hollywood special effects company for about 20 years, 
and we specialized in uh, giant lightning bolts or anything that had to do with electricity. In about 2002, I started doing FPV uh, with the eye on filmmaking, um, and that led um, to a, a pollen project for a, a major university. And it was during that pollen project that I realized that we're, there were higher and better uses for um, SUAS. Well, I guess we called them model airplanes back then, but there were, there were higher uses than just taking pictures, you know? Um, I sold my special effects company in 2011 and was fortunate enough to meet uh, actually at the first SUAS Expo at the in San Francisco, Eileen Shibley. And Eileen was mm. the former uh, head of Nav Air uh, at China Lake. Um, China Lake. She did not former head of Nav Air. I'm sorry. She was the former head of the Unmanned Systems Division at Nav Air. And she had uh, decided also to get into commercial uh, SUAS. And so she and I teamed up and worked together on the Cal UAS project and later Monarch, the company she founded. And our customers were in the solar, agriculture, and wind. So we're all carrying all different types of sensors on, uh, um, on vehicles that uh, we fabricated and designed out there at China Lake. And it was, uh, it was an amazing time. Uh, but it was a startup, and we know what happened to a lot of startups, and that happened to us too. And so shortly thereafter, I met Ryan and learned of his need to start a drone and counter-drone division, and basically that's that's where we are today. That was good. I liked that. Yeah, well, you know, that reminds me. It was, it was, it was a few months ago when we all met up and thought we were going to uh, – save the world and uh, you know some some good stuff came out of that uh, exciting time like you said but uh, <clears throat> ryan could you could you please uh you know uh give us a little bio on how you got involved in this with this great technology sure there's still some time to save the world by the way oh, there um, is. so i <laughs> so i started my my career in law enforcement um and from from early on, one of the the things I identified was just how far behind um, the law was behind technology and and behind the criminals. Um, and so, from the beginning of my time in law enforcement and and into my uh, private sector transition, really took a, a tech forward approach to to everything I've done. Um, before starting RAS, um, I ran global security technology for. Um, one of the biggest entertainment companies in the world. Um, and in that role, also saw just how far behind uh, the security industry was with regard to technology. Even today in, in 2018, it's it's a very, I say, analog industry in a digital world. Um, RAS is very, very tech forward. Um, you know, on staff, we've got law enforcement folks and doctors with tech technology degrees and, and Jeff, um, you know, who bring just such a, a wealth of, of technology expertise. But, you know, with the things that, that we help our clients protect, the air is one of the um, sort of forgotten uh, vectors. And so it's just become increasingly important both for, for critical infrastructure and even, even in the entertainment space for protection of, of intellectual property um, and information um, to make sure that, that we're paying attention to the air, but not just people coming through doors. And so that uh, about six months ago, uh, we added our our drone, our UAS, CUAS division, uh, which Jeff leads for us. So that's how we got here. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I, and I would, 
I'd agree with most of your assessments. It's kind of a um, interesting time there too, and I don't want to get too far ahead of the uh, conversation because really that's kind of my opener, you know, with the uh, current. Uh, counter UAS situation, you know, and I'm sure everybody, and I want to do a little round table on this one. Um, <clears throat> doing great, needs help, or let's just keep whistling past the graveyard. Ryan, where do you think we're, are, we're at with uh, counter UAS at this point? And, and I mean like holistically, not just the technology, but what people know about it, things like that. Yeah, so I think what what we're finding, and we work with kind of a wide array of primarily private sector folks, um, mm-hmm. is that people have identified the need, but are generally confused about what's out there. Um, number one, there's a lot of options, and number two, and maybe more significantly, a lot of misinformation. Um, and so I think that um, our customers and, and others have identified that, that drones are a viable threat and something that they need to pay attention to and just don't really know where to go to, to find the best fit. Hmm. That's a, that's an interesting take. Jeff, do you have anything you'd like to add on that? Well, in terms of the current situation, the, um, I know there's a lot of controversy to the 2008 bill law, um, and the modifications of telecom act of 34, but um, the ability for government agencies to, um, what would be the term, uh, take over uh, rogue drone activity is actually a positive step, um, mm-hmm. even though I understand it concerns a lot of in- individuals in terms of a slippery slope argument. But um, there are good things and bad things about the 2018 bill. And I've uh, evolved in my thinking um, that the, uh, the takeover exception is a good thing. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think um, even have, having been to some of the major security shows in the last few months, you're starting to see drone sections of these shows that are the more traditionally what, what we call gates, guards, and guns. Um, so it's it's absolutely being adopted and accepted as, as something the industry needs to look at. Um, but if you look at some of the featured CUAS stuff at these shows, I mean, it's some of it's pretty comical. Um <laughs> as proposed solutions. Yeah, well, we're going to get to that one. Gene, I know that, you know, you deal with a lot of law enforcement and and these situations are, 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 are what, what are, what are you hearing on the ground, on the, on the counter? Okay, it is, it, it is going to be an absolute necessity. We are already, in our training program, including counter drones for law enforcement and public safety. And our approach to this is is that subject matter expert, you're going to be the first line of defense once you identify an aircraft uh, based on industry standard. If you see a Phantom out there and it's not carrying a camera and it's got a long tube-looking thing on it, that's a potential threat. Right? How do you know so they're not just delivering the a map? That's the way we're approaching it. It's not just delivering a map or a pizza. So you need to make that you keep an eyeball on that thing, and if necessary, whatever method is required to protect your constituency to keep that thing from coming in. So I am I'm very, very interested in how all this plays out. The reauthorization bill is interesting because we have had some interpretations that say by whatever means necessary, which as far as we're concerned is great. But again, like 
both you guys have discussed, I mean, there are some liability issues that we got to overcome, and it's going to take some some legal wrangling to get that taken care of. Well, and I'll yeah. take what Gene said one step further in terms of that threat. You know, you've got the the physical threat of a weaponized drone, but also, um, you know, a drone that has the capability of a cyber attack or a breach. Um, you know, uh, of course impacting your Wi-Fi network and all of that. So those are oh, yeah. additional threats that I think people are forgetting about. And, it, did, uh, and it, you know, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but did uh, anyone uh, besides myself see the video on YouTube of the pineapple drone? Anybody oh, see yeah. that? In fact, the pineapple drone was core to a, a bulletin that we sent out to all of our clients uh, about a month ago. So the, the evolution of Kali Linux and the ability to run Kali Linux on smaller and smaller and smaller uh, microcomputers has gotten to the point where um, it's very easy now to take very sophisticated IT penetration hardware and software and uh, fly it to location and grab stuff. Now, most people counter that with, well, a drone can only fly for 15 minutes, and it takes time <laughs> to crack all those codes. No, 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 no. The drone flies to the roof in five minutes, lands there, and stays for two weeks. Right. Then uses its remaining battery power to successfully fly back, and uh, those keys are then used to uh, initiate a second attempt where a payload is delivered, and then then your network is at serious compromise. So people right. have done a lot of perimeter studies of their Wi-Fi signal around the building, but they haven't checked the roof. Well, and it's funny that you say that because, uh, you know, I didn't get my chance to answer the question, but, uh, you know, some people see me as a glass half empty guy, but uh, I think we live in a uh, world where a lot of these things are underestimated. And I don't know if people just have a lot of time or, you know, the video that I watch, the kid's like in his bedroom or his mom's basement, he's 3D printing up his drone. He, he, he basically designed his own system to, let's say, do exactly what you said. Okay, and he just, you know, came up with this on his own in the bedroom or uh, basement mm -hmm. or whatever. And made it open source. And made it open source, right? So I'm talking to folks over at the five-sided building, and I'm like, hey, look, you know, I don't, I don't think we're really taking this threat serious, you know. And then that, that ruffles feathers, but it's like the, the counter-UAS thing, you know, a lot of people automatically go right to the weaponized stuff. Oh, oh <laughs> there's so much more to it. You know, with with this, the uh, intelligence, like say sniffing uh, of your Wi-Fi, the, the the graphic or pictures or video uh, intelligence. You know, I mean, it, it's a huge uh, ISR picture, let's say, um, that you're vulnerable to. So it's it's more than just you know the jihadi dudes or whatever else. It's other people that could be uh, doing industrial espionage. From what you guys are seeing, do, do, your, do your clients understand this, or are you opening eyes to people to say, hey, look, it's a bigger picture, man? Yeah, I'd say in general they don't understand it. They understand maybe maybe they understand that there's a threat, and that's usually where it stops. Um, I don't think they understand how to counter it or even um, to take it a step back how to quantify the problem so that they can build value and sell a program up the chain for budget. Um, and, you know, going back to an earlier point, <clears throat> excuse me, there's just so much misinformation out there that for them to find the product or products that's the right fit for what they need and that's not 
that's not overkill, but that accomplishes their objective. I, I don't think most of our clients have any clarity in that regard. But All right, well, hopefully that's why we're helping them. Yeah, and, and, and you know that's why they need people that are educated in the um, in this field. Now, <clears throat> you know, I probably don't have as much experience, uh, you know, let's say walking the beat or feet on the pavement talking to, let's say, potential end users. But, uh, you know, from the facility managers and authorities that I've under or I've spoken with, you know, they say, well, we're we've got uh, overlap with multiple systems. And I ask, you know, are you getting a level of, because this is another thing, is I, I think even the definition of what counter US, UAS is, is one thing. Uh, and maybe we can talk about uh, some of the descriptions, the loose descriptions that are thrown around, because I would say that that's like a, that's a pretty wide description. When you say, oh, counter UAS, there's, there's the detection part, there's the, um, you know, mitigation part, the the several different mitigations and things like that. Are you guys seeing a lot of confusion there? Are people starting to understand what this CUAS thing actually even means? No, I I think there's an immense amount of confusion um, on what it means technically, what it means to them as an operation. Um, And I also think there's some confusion um, similar to what we were talking about before about physical versus versus cyber. And in the security space in general, there's been a big upset recently, and I, I, don't, I don't know if we want to go down this rabbit hole of China, um, but, uh, you know, we've got security cameras and, and a lot of infrastructure in the security space that, similar to some of the products in the UAS market, are known to have cyber vulnerabilities. They're known to report data back to China. Um, and just getting that message to facility operators and, and to decision makers, whether it's about drones or cameras or, or other technology with these known issues, has been a big push for us, and it's also been a big challenge. Mm. And you know, I have to, and I have to chime in on that one because, you know, I've talked to. Um, some folks that need this technology, um, and I will say that they have bought cheap equipment from a certain uh, manufacturer from China, and you know they're putting, they're trying to put me back on my heels, saying, "Oh well, you know, show us how the or the Chinese would spy, or if they're spying, or whatever else." And I'm like, you know, that's not. I I can share this with you, and there's examples everywhere, just like you're talking. Um, but the thing is, is uh, you know that's kind of been coming upon you to do your due diligence because you're the one who is got your name on the dotted line, and the public is is looking for or to to safeguard them from these threats. Not me. I'm just a news guy. Um, anyone like to add anything well, I to think, that? I I think that's why people like Jeff are are so important to our industry and our security mission. You know, Jeff, by by trade, is not a, a security expert, but he is a technology expert. And so I think understanding the the core of the technology and, and how it works and, and what it does and where it goes um, is really key in helping select the right product. If you don't understand down to the minutia of what it's doing, um, then I, I don't think it's worth putting in. 
Well, I, I would agree with that. I, I mean, you know, we, we have to be, it goes back to what I said kind of in the beginning about the counter-U.S. thing. I think we have to be adult. Uh, we live in a world uh, that's, it's not all puppies and, you know, flowers and daisies or whatever. Uh, there's some people out there who, um, there's, there's, there's just some, some net jobs and we got to think about that. The Chinese thing, it's kind of funny is that some people like to go, oh, well, you know, you're either, you know, you're a conspiracy nut or anti-Chinese and I'm neither of those. Uh, you know, I've been to China. Uh, they're very focused. Uh, I understand where they're, they're going. Um, they have more of a, nationalistic goal that they want to be number one. Hey, man, I get it. Um, and then as far as any country or, you know, whatever, government, uh, espionage, or trying to learn or get an advantage over its competition is the name of the game since, you know, time began. So, And, and the, ac- um, if I may, this is Jeff, um, the accusations that have been lodged against DJI and the research that have been done to uh, validate those accusations, or in the case of uh, KIVU, Kivu, the uh, Denver consulting firm that uh, gave a pass to DJI, I believe they paid for the study. Uh, a lot of people in this uh, UAS industry or counter UAS industry are surprised to learn that this type of espionage did not start with DJI. They're simply following examples and precedents that have been set years earlier, and I think that was one of the things that uh, Ryan was alluding to was the um, hike vision problem with security cameras. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that practice predates uh, Frank Wang and his efforts uh, to build his company. So uh, that sort of sets in in perspective the um, overarching efforts of Chinese espionage uh, or data theft in general, not just pointing a finger at DJI as if they're the only one. No, but you have to say, I mean, you know, I, I had talked to someone else who's been an aviation reporter for 20 years, and I, before this, uh, you know, I like to comically, I hashtag it, Chicoms with the two ends came out. I was like, you know, this geofencing thing is, is the perfect uh, Trojan horse that, you know, this device understands the location that it's at, and the camera's rolling, and it's sending thumbnails, you know, who knows where, uh, and this is just a possibility thing. I mean, we have to be adults here. You know, it's the perfect thing. I, I, I have issues with all of this, but that's a, a show for another time. Um, okay, so just like the technology, the drone technology, and other technologies, because I think that this just this is just another collection device, and it kind of fits into that, has been evolving, is evolving rapidly. You know, as we move forward here, what... What do the concerns of the future look for, like for you guys? I don't, I don't want to tip anyone off. Or, and everybody says, oh, you're going to give bad guys ideas. There's probably, you know, 800 guys on YouTube that have probably already posted videos of stuff that we would talk about here. But, you know, I just want to uh, put that out there as a word of caution. What, what's the future look like? Jeff, Ryan, who wants to take that one? I think Jeff is itching to talk about the future. All right, Jeff, come on. Get... You know, dust off the crystal ball. What do you got in there? Well, I think we're going to see um, the Dodgers win the uh, World to... Series. What? Which, no, yeah, we're going to see the Dodgers win the World Series. Exactly. Um, I'm speaking from Los Angeles, so uh, I have to say that. Um, right. I think we're going to see um, countermeasures being used against uh, first responders. 
we're seeing a, a rapid uh, increase in the adoption of uh, specifically DJI equipment by fire and police uh, for good work. However, um, all counter UAS measures um, are aimed at, especially the electronic IT takeover ones, which in our estimation are the most successful and practical for the type of clients that we have, are aimed at DJI products. So it's um, confusing to me why uh, first responders would purchase um, uh, equipment that has so many vulnerabilities uh, that are um, there by design, in other words, with CES all being focused on that particular product, and that's because of the market share. And you ask any CUS vendor, uh, you know, why only DJI? And they'll tell you, well, they're 80, 90% of the market. So we actually go after 80 or 90% of the drones. So the fact that the drones that the police and fire use can be so countered so easily, either by hacker or by the, this equipment that's coming out, is of concern to me. Um, the second one I think we've already touched on, and that is the Cali Linux issue and being able to fly sophisticated penetration equipment onto the tops of unprotected roofs of IT systems. Right. Well, um, I, I, I think, Jeff, one of the things that I'll have to add to that, and it's not that it's just DJI, and, to, you know, a little bit of ancient history for me is that, you know, I was a C-Prompt power user from DOS 1.0, and it wasn't that you know, that, that people were looking to hack into a specific computer is because it was Microsoft. And Microsoft was the giant. And everybody wants to slay the giant. So that's why it is attacked so much and its vulnerabilities are exploited. No different than DJI. DJI is the giant that's out there. They're, and people use them because they listen to what the users want. They've started a huge hype for parts and, and uh, uh, support, and they made it cheap enough that even the, the smallest fire station or uh, law enforcement agency can get one and be effective with it. So they're going to, you betcha, they're, they're going to get sniped from here to kingdom come, but it's because they have gotten so big, not because they're, you know, uh, Chinese or anything else. It, it, of course, it does help. They are you know, they, they are sworn to, to find out everything about us they can simply to maintain that advantage that, that uh, Patrick spoke of. So, you know, it's just coincidental that they happen to be Chinese. If it would have been French, it would have been the same thing. I agree with you 100%. Well, whoever. I mean, that's just uh, it goes back to, like, what I said in the beginning. You know, I mean, that's just the natural what humans do, okay? Um, but I will say there's another factor in here, and the other factor is is the price point. The price point is so low that uh, people go for it, and it's the same thing with the uh, with their detection system. To me, you know, to me, it sounds double dippy to me. Okay, I created seventy five to eighty five percent of the problem, but guess what, kids? I got a solution for that. I'm going to sell you right here. And uh, it detects the drones, and I could sell, you know, um, let's say I could send emails to terrorists. It's great, you know, before we didn't have any communication, but now I do. That's the mitigation. Uh, that's not very effective. The other thing, I, I mean, you know, again, talking to end users, and they say that they, they most of them won't admit to me that they bought an aeroscope. 
And I think that's because I think I would say, you know, you're you're foolish. I mean, I might have one for the price point or whatever, but the idea that my mitigation is is that I'm going to call law enforcement. You know, it's like, <laughs> well, yeah, you know, uh, the person will be done. Well, I can't even. I can tell you that long. Yeah, well, as somebody who's still sworn law enforcement, I can tell you that today calling law enforcement does just about nothing. Um, maybe you'll get a report, and that's about it, but probably not even that. Um, but I also think you, you brought up a point that comes back to sort of the end user's understanding of the technology. And I don't think there's a good understanding amongst end users of the difference and the necessity of a difference between detection and mitigation. Mm-hmm. And when you're looking at a, a security program holistically, detecting is cool. And maybe there's some things operationally you can do if and when you detect a drone. But the mitigation is really the key part, and I think that's where the bulk of, of the confusion is right now. Uh, I would agree. And we're going to run long, but that's okay. We usually do because these conversations, you know, we try and have experts on the show. And as soon as we get warmed up, the stuff, the, the, the content gets <laughs> a lot better. Just the way it works around here. Um, but, okay, so, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about something that really, to me, I mean, detection is one thing, uh, but the, the mitigation part is really where the uh, rubber meets the road in my book. And if your mitigation plan is something that's, um, you know, well, I'm going to call the authorities. I mean, that, that's just, that's not even a plan, you know. Um, I guess it's better than nothing, but, uh, you know, not, not by much. Is it- so. <laughs> well, it depends, you know, it depends on what you have to lose. Uh, and I don't want to get too heavy because, uh, you know, I, and I have uh, spoken to some people and I said, look, you know, when I, I have something and I say this all the time about uh, law enforcement training with, with drones even is, is, you know, there's no time for second chances or mistakes when people's lives no. are on the line. Okay. You are correct. So when you when you start talking about toys, as far as detection systems, as far as I'm concerned, uh, that's not even a solution. That's I, I don't even know what that is. Uh, but you know, all I got to say is I'm glad that that's not what I'm getting paid to do because I don't want to. You know, even when I worked for the military, I didn't want to be in a position where I was the guy that screwed up and somebody got hurt. I do not want to be that person. So I always caution people, only work with professionals, uh, work with people who understand this. Don't just work with a salesperson who's, who's trying to sell you something. Because more than uh, likely, when, when you get it out in the field and you're working with it, and that's another you know, thing that I say, is uh, you only work with people who work in the field, because they're the people that know what's going on. Uh, you know, usually you get out there and you learn that you know, maybe you were sold, sold, a little oversold on the products. Are you guys running into that? <laughs> Every day. You, you want to take that? <laughs> All right. I, well, don't yeah, laugh. It's... I mean, we're trying to educate people here about safety and lives on the line. That's very serious. And I know we talk <laughs> offline about this, Gene, and Howell at the moon, but I want to talk to these these guys here. You know, <laughs> okay, is it, is it, a, go ahead. Is it an over deal? Is that what you guys are seeing or what? Well, I'll tell you from from an RAS security group standpoint, one of the founding one of the reasons the company was founded in the beginning before we even got into the UAS space was to be that that partner for our end users because 
it's not unique to this space where people are being oversold. Um, no. And the end user doesn't doesn't understand where they're being oversold, and so having an agnostic uh, party there to to help you understand, you know, what what the truth is um, is is really critical. And you know, we we did a demo this week with a bunch of of clients at a uh, at a major U.S. stadium, and it was a detection and mitigation demo. And this is one of those things where we tell vendors, cool, we'll put you in front of our customers, but first you're going to prove it to them. Um, and so in this demo, we, we did all types of, of different scenarios with drones where it was a single drone, a swarm, um, and show in real time the detection and more significantly the mitigation. So there is good stuff out there that works, but there's more stuff out there that doesn't and more stuff that's being oversold. and and just finding that, that needle in the haystack, I think, is key. Right, so okay. Is the and genetic solution being oversold, or is the electronic takeover solution being oversold? Or is the email to the terrorists being oversold? What, where, where, who's overselling <laughs> what? I missed the first part of your question, Gene. Sorry. Uh, is is the kinetic solution, counter solution being oversold, or is the uh, the, the takeover electronic solution being oversold? Yes. Both. Um, <laughs> Both. Uh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> I think I, I definitely think the the kinetic part, in my opinion, and Jeff may have a more technical answer, um, is being oversold. I think we've now seen. Um, the takeover solutions that that do actually work um as i said we had we had a demo a live demo this week that that went perfectly um so there is stuff out there now that that does what it says it does um but you know again there's there's more that doesn't jeff you you may have more technical response to that if if i were say i would think the kinetic solutions are being oversold uh simply because of the liability of the person that takes over the drone rests with that person. So the, the, once the pilot in charge is taken out of the loop, uh, several des, uh, decisions uh, have to be made. Uh, one of those decisions is, okay, now I've uh, removed control from the pilot in charge of this aircraft, and this, what am I going to do with this aircraft? Who's it going to land on? What collateral damage will it cause? Da, 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 da. And that's a big mouthful of liability for a lot of commercial clients. Um, mm. uh, so the kinetic solution just involves too much liability on the ground for most domestic people. I, I can yeah. see in theater that would be an option, but uh, on the other side, what's being oversold is the, is the technology. Once you look at the ghost behind the machine, you find that um, um, not all uh, IT solutions to mitigate drones are the same, and some um, employ technologies that remain illegal even after the uh, 2018 bill. So it's really important for customers to understand the technology going on behind the machine, and that's the tough part. It's the tough part for me. It's the hardest part of my job, uh, and it's also the hard, a very difficult thing for the clients to uh, grasp and understand. And, and I want to add one thing there because it's not only commercial clients. It's also I think people need to understand that uh, government agencies are, are uh, faced with some of the same liability issues, that they will get sued, that there will be bad press, that there will be other ramifications, um, you know, with, with the kinetic energy and even taking control 
of a, a, a drone and something happening. It, it's a sticky yep. wicket, and you know, I'm going to say, I mean, I am unaware of any silver bullets. Round table. Anybody got a silver bullet? Your crickets chirping back there, tumbleweed blowing. There, there are silver bullets out there. We, uh, as Ryan said, we, we we saw one this week, and um, there are other companies that will, uh, I'm sure, uh, demonstrate similar technologies, and there will be more silver bullets to come. So, okay. but to your point, I don't think you know what what we saw this week was was phenomenal and and worked perfectly. Um, but there's still no sil- silver bullet, I don't think, Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, in the sense of 100% detection of any type of drone. I don't think that exists. Mm, we get close. Uh, that is correct. I was referring, of course, to the uh, the market leader, the 80-90% of drones out there. Mm, okay. <laughs> um, mm. You know, and, and this is, this is, this is kind of where being the drone guy into counter-UAS uh, kind of comes full circle, Okay. <clears throat> I would, uh, and we touched a little bit on the 2018 reauthorization thing. Um, I would rather have facility owners, managers, um, and authorities have control over certain airspace than have blanket wide bands in the, let's say, United States or the rest of the world. Um, I would much rather see there be a situation where you can't fly a drone at a you know, major sporting event around the, uh, you know, nuclear power plant, blah, 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 instead of having blanket bans on large swaths of airspace or, let's say, kicking the uh, hobbyist in the shins. Uh, do most people on this call, would, they, would you agree with me or disagree with me? Agree. Wet. Brian? Yeah, no, I, w- I would agree, and I think in the case of stadiums and venues, um, I think the ability to one, you know, make the the restricted airspace smaller and more defined, but also the timing around which that space is restricted. So, if there's not a, if it's not game day, how much do we really care? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes so sense. I, to I me. think you're able to do that much easier through, you know, through these technological solutions and blanket restrictions. Right, I think and, the countermeasure needs to be tied to a TFR uh, to really get social acceptance. Well, that would uh, that would be the optimum as far as I see. I mean, I want to be able to uh, have as much access to a natural resource that belongs to the people as possible. Um, but I also, on the other hand, understand like that we had that event where we had the guy here in uh, the Bay Area go to both the 49ers game and then the Raiders game in the same day to drop pamphlets. I mean, you know, to me, um, something needs to be done there. We don't, we don't need to face that problem. We need to, to, to come uh, up with solutions to, to make that not happen. Gene, did you want to uh, add in on, the, um, on, my, on my question? I did, and I will say that uh, in response to, Jeff, your conclusion that a TFR needs to be used, I have used TFRs in the past to my advantage, but I have found out that the FAA tends to frown on, you know, just passing out TFRs. They they would really prefer that we not do that. So, you know, I, I agree with you that, you know, if you have a venue of thirty to 50,000 people, you bet you should have a TFR. And uh, I know the University of Texas here at Darrell Royal Stadium, they, whenever there's a game day, they have a TFR out there. And I think they negotiated that some time back. 
I think with uh, the advent of more UTMs out there that uh, are claiming to be the be-all, end-all, that we're going to have some issues come from that. But, you know, that room that remains to be seen. And, again, like Patrick says, that's for another call, another podcast down the road. So, you know, it's um, – it's going to be interesting to see how the – I think the takeover and the, the cyber effect that you guys have discussed is probably going to loom large. And the kinetic stuff is going to go away pretty much. Uh, that's my prediction. I don't think you're going to see very much kinetic stuff go on um, simply from the liability standpoint. So there's my two cents. Well, we we hope that's the what happens. So anybody, well, I'm uh, with you on that one. I find the uh, the nets amusing. <laughs> the net nets. <laughs> you know, yeah. always, they got that, you know, it's hovering out there. I'm like, yeah, it's cute and everything, but what do you got, you know, you got a 40 or 50 pound uh, drone coming in at 150 knots? Eh, not so much. But anyway, uh, those are just things I muse about during the day. So we did run long. Uh, again, uh, like I said, these these conversations, the uh, the subject matter is uh, fantastic, and I always learn a lot. It just blows me away, you know. You guys, uh, when I get to talk to real experts, it really, really uh, gives me some hope for this industry. But um, with that, I wanted to give you guys an opportunity to give us the website where listeners can learn more about the products and services uh, you guys provide. Sure. So our website is rassecuritygroup.com, and uh, all of our information's up there, as well as uh, contact info and uh, some of the bios of our key folks. Excellent. Uh, good, uh, you know, to get some more background on that. Again, I would, you know, in closing this podcast, you know, anybody that's, uh, you know, serious about this, you can only, in my estimation, deal with professionals. You know, and uh, I, I know you guys, and I know that you're serious about this. That's why you're on the podcast because we don't uh, we don't have um, snake oil folks on here. We try to weed them out before we get them on the air. So I appreciate you gentlemen coming on today. Uh, you know, Jeff, thanks for coming on. Ryan, thanks for coming on, and uh, Gene, as always, you know, thanks for for being here on time, buddy. And until Roger the next that. time. <laughs> All right, until next time, everyone, uh, you know, go out there and make some money. See everyone later. <laughs> Thanks we'll a lot, Patrick. Bye.